Hello, and welcome to the Radio Check Podcast, life in the concert touring industry, where we'll be speaking with and interviewing the best talent in the business, taking not only a deep dive into what it takes to put on a world-class show, but also life on the road and sharing experiences that span the globe, highlighting the people that are responsible for making your favorite artists look and sound great. My name is Matt Kanzi, and your host on this podcast is Chris Kanzi, a 40-year veteran in the live music touring industry. Over the years, Chris has traveled the globe several times over and has escalated through the ranks, bringing him to the top of his profession. He has established hundreds, if not thousands, of connections with other industry professionals, artists, and musicians. This podcast is your backstage pass to what happens behind the scenes and on the road when traveling and working with some of the world's top musicians. So sit back and enjoy. Well, there it is then. How are you today? Hey, brother. I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah. You know, happy, happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. That's right. Yeah, Gosh, yeah. it's just... It's Groundhog Day. That, that term's been used way too many times, but it's just... It's yeah. I'm not counting the days, you know. Maybe yeah. we should be counting the days. How many, no you know, so. what day number or whatever in COVID. But, Somewhere uh, in the 70s, maybe yeah. 80s. Another I, day I, at home, yeah. you know. Just another day at home doing shit and figure out what to eat. And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> So tell me... Through the day. You... you um, you paint. I've got a painting behind me. You've got a painting of yours behind you. Um, I've been, you know, I have to ask you this because I haven't had the chance in the past two weeks, but what's the studio shaping up like? You you painting at all? Um, well, as, as you know, I've turned my, what used to be a garage into a shop, Yeah. you know, and uh, some days it's a wood shop. Some days it's working on bikes, you know, and then, but a lot of the times it's, uh, it's my art studio where uh, I've got all, you know, my tools laid out and, and a big painting wall with uh, works that I'm toiling with hanging and, yeah. you know, yeah, so it's going. And uh, uh, what I've done is I've finished something that I had started. You know, oh, you did? Back. Okay. So you actually have I painted? Finished, I, I, I have finished that and then I've already oh, okay. started a, a canvas from scratch where I've, you know, built the bars, stretched the canvas Nice. And uh, excellent. Uh, and it my style so these happy. days, it's 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 multi-layered, and uh, I have to have a lot of patience with my my uh, my paintings because uh, I like the paint to dry on a layer before I put another layer on, so mm-hmm. the, so the colors don't blend. It's oil paint, so if I put it on not super thick, I can probably. I mean, I don't wait for it to get rock hard, but you know, I could probably move on to another layer, um, you know, within three or four days after oh, wow. I put one it's on. still so, a slow process. So I'm, I'm, I'm about to do a third layer and I just got a, um, a box from Jerry's Artorama. Hmm. I get my online stuff. <laughs> so I just got a, yeah, I got one near my um, house. So you know what we could do is maybe get some of those, get some of your favorites and uh, we could post them in the show notes, you know, um, so people yeah, can maybe. check it out. Yeah. Maybe I've always wanted to do a show. You know, and I've always wanted to have like a theme of, of a certain run of paintings and, and, and do a show. And I've always thought, man, I, you know, I have time to paint, but I don't have time to put a show together. Mm, that's <laughs> someone else's now, job, right? That's for sure. <laughs> well, you do now. Yeah, you know, true. So, so, you know, what I'll do is I'll, I'll get, uh, you know, eight to 10, maybe as many as 12 paintings of this uh, 
you know, kind of theme that I'm working on and I'll hold them, you know, get ready to, to do a show here yeah. in New Orleans in a local gallery, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I know you did a lot of painting like in between tours and stuff like that. And, you know, when you had those little breaks and you've actually put together a pretty decent book of work from what I could tell, but let me ask you this. So, you know, your home painting and stuff. And I, I hate that I'd like to do a hard shift on the topic here, but I want to know what it takes to what, you know, to get a gig, you know? And so if you're home and you get the phone call or the email, <clears throat> you, you know, or how do you market yourself if you're looking for work? Is it word of mouth? And as an artist or a production manager. As, as a, uh, you, and that's oh yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But kind of yeah. shifting gears to your production manager, what you do to, you know, finance the ability to go home and paint for a month or two on, you know? Uh, well, you know, it's different, you know. Um, uh, you know, I have accounts that keep coming back, you know, like, uh, mm. you know, Roger Waters, I've been his production manager for, you know, 15 years. And, and uh, um, before it, before COVID, we were about to start the, the fourth project of mine of his, you know, it might have been the fourth tour in a row. Uh, and then, you know, and then, you know, I, I, you know, I just worked for the Black Keys for the first time and I got a call from management, Q Prime, asking me what I was up to. But, you know, you know, the call can come from management. It can come from, you know, uh, an associate or a mate that I have on the tour that's trying to plug me in. Uh, every once in a while, a booking agent or, 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 you know, a business manager, you know, but I'll get, I'll get a call from, uh, you know, and any, and any, any line of, you know, people in the industry, you can get a hold of me, but you know, mainly um, uh, it's been management companies that do call and ask me, you know, what's your availability and I got this going out and what's your level of interest and blah, blah, blah. And when I get those calls, um, I always try to be, yes, I'm, I'm available, you know, try to say yes as much as possible. Hmm. It's an old saying. There's an old saying that I use. That I always say yes to you have to say no. Because as, as soon as you hedge and go, well, mm, eh, that's when they start looking for somebody else, you know, and you get, you get pushed right. to the back of the line. Um, so I always try to, you know, be if positive about, about a can. phone call or a project, you know, you know, you know what I'm, you know, I, I, you know, I like to work. I need to work. So, you know, well, is there like an interview process? Is, is there like, you know, does it get to the point where if there's, you know, more than one person going up for the gig? I mean, is there any way that you can represent yourself besides your uh, uh, resume? Um, I mean, do you, you know, depending on what you're asked for, I'm just kind of curious because I mean, there is a creative aspect to the, being the production manager or of some type of knowledge of certain things. I mean, what kind of hoops do you have to go through if you, if there's a gig that you want and you're, you know, want to put your best foot forward? I mean, how's that, how do you go about doing that? Uh, well, well, luckily, luckily I've, I've, you know, people know me, right. you know, I've got uh, you know, a decent reputation, I think. Um, so I, I usually only get the calls for, you know, can you do this? Do you want this? Right. You know? Gotcha. All right. Um, every great once in a while, maybe something high profile will come out and, and I'll get the, hey, uh, you know, we're trying to get some names together. Would you like me to throw your name in the hat? And uh, that happens every once in a while. You know, right. where yeah, that's kind of what I was I'll alluding to, I guess. I'll get a call from, yeah. you know, somebody and say, hey, you know what, I'm going into a meeting this weekend about so-and-so going out next year. And, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about production managers. Do you, want me to, do you want me to bring your name up or whatever, you know? But uh, I'd say the majority of the time it's, uh, hey, man, what you up to? 
we got this. Are you interested? We'd love to have you kind of thing. Which lead time they usually give so, you, yeah. something like that. What do you mean lead time? Like, you know, between like asking if you're available. I mean, I'm sure that there's some emergency cases, but for a well-organized planned out tour from the point where they say, hey, you know, do you want the gig? And you saying yes to, you know, collecting the first paycheck kind of thing or going into, you know, pre-production or going into rehearsals, you know. Oh, okay. Um, you know, well, you know, there's the whole negotiating process on, you know, do you want the gig? Are you interested in the gig? Yes. And then, you know, you talk about uh, your, your deal structure, which is, you know, obviously a, you know, how much is your, your pay per week? What's your, what's your class of travel? Oh, you have um, a rider. What are, what are, what are certain things? Yeah, well, not really. You know? <laughs> um, but you know, my deal's the same, you know, yeah. I, I know what I need to make. Uh, but you know, there, there are certain projects, uh, you know, like last year, massive attack, you know, project I really wanted to do. I kind of almost inquired about that one. You know, I've, uh, I've a good friend, Icarus Wilson, Wright That's in that project. And, hmm. and, um, yeah, I wanted that and, you know, they don't make the money that an arena band does. I know right. that, you know, but, uh, it was a short project and it was in the winter time. And uh, I was happy to make less money to do something that I really, really wanted to do. You know, right. I've never been happier making less money. You know, <clears throat> it's, it's just, you know, something that, you know, you gotta, you gotta do certain things for yourself sometimes. You oh, know? absolutely. Yeah. You know? I can hear you uh, on that. But yeah, but, but, but moving on. Okay. So let's, let's say I, I, I accept the job. Um, you know, if they're doing it right, you know, they're calling me six months at least before they start rehearsals. Um, you know, not, you know, not that I go on salary immediately. I mean, I have before, but, uh, you know, you, you know, you, you accept the job knowing that, you know, a month or two down the line, you're going to start. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, the process is, is, is different, but, you know, let's just go with a high profile arena, several trucks, you know, big design kind of original project. Um, you know, the first thing I'll do is, uh, you know, look at routing, you know, what are you planning on doing? Uh, are the tour dates already put down? Work? How no. do you do the routing without the tour dates? Uh, no, not, not normally, you know, uh, well, the routing is doing the tour dates, oh, so, getting, okay. getting the routing down, working on the routing with the, with the agent, you know, because gotcha. I think that uh, a production manager can be very valuable when it comes to, you know, looking at the drive times and uh, determining, you know, how long it takes for a truck or a bus to get from point A to point B. Is there a time change? Um, is there a border crossing? Um, you know, are you going a 500 mile overnight into a really difficult room, you know, that you could normally do, but you know, you can't, you know, there's certain venues that you need to be there for a 4 a.m. mark out you know, you can't roll in at eight o'clock in the morning and, 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 and do a show on a 500 mile overnight in, in some, you know, venues because of rigging, because of the push, because of, you know, certain, you know, a lot of factors involved. But, uh, you know, back to the routing, you know, I like to work with the, the booking agent and management and, and, and the routing. Um, and then after the tour is settled, you know, you, you, you obviously have to get a design together and I'll work with, you know, the artist management and uh, the design team, the creative team, um, 
sometimes are in place, sometimes are not. Maybe I, I help, uh, you know, put somebody in place, that kind of thing. But the next thing would be to work with designer on what is the show, how big the show is, you know, how much is it going to cost? Does the band want to spend that kind of money? Um, how much rehearsal time is it going to need to get the show right? You know, and then after these things are decided, then, you know, the rest of, you know, of, you know, of the creative team will come in, you know, the lighting designer will come in, the, you know, the, you know, mm. audio design, because these days audio is so specific that you do audio designs now, you know, mm. you, 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 that is technology. You just don't hang a bunch of PA in front of an audience and turn it on. Yeah. You actually do an audio design. So how much of your that gig at that point, are, are you responsible or involved in the development of the tour budget? Uh, you know, I like to get my hands on the budget. Um, the budget for me, um, it's a list of everything. You know, right. you've got all your line items, they're all in front of you. It's on your desktop all the time. And it's a good reminder of uh, keeping things going you know because they're everything's right there in front of you you're constantly looking at it you're constantly you know tweaking it and uh you know you don't forget anything because it's all right there and you have a constant reminder of you know lighting video right. sundries hotels you know everything is just right there and, and, and it's constantly you know so is there already a budget put together when they call uh, you is there no, is that no, number no, no, okay. not necessarily right. not necessarily i mean well, the, the factors involved are, are how many dates are they? How much are you getting paid? Uh, and then how much is your show going to cost? Usually an artist knows what the, their payday is before they decide on a design. Um, they know how much they have to spend. Uh, and, uh, you know, a design will come in and it's all big and bright and shiny. And, mm, you know, so it's, and it's got all the bells and whistles. And you, you aim high. You know, most, most creative directors, most uh, designers come in and just, you know, want everything, knowing fully well that they're going to have to scale back at some point. So, you sense. know, you get the first numbers in and go, well, this is, you know, this is, this is a $10 million design, you know, and then, ooh, all right, how do we scale that back? And then you start tweaking it, you know, whether it be video content or whether it would be how big is the set? Do you have automation? You know, um, you know how big is the stage you know a lot of these things factor into how much money you're spending and it's not just how much does that stage cost or how much does that automation cost it's it's how much truck space is that how many crew guys is that how many bunks on the bus you know everything compounds into another onto how much you're spending on on something mm. um so eventually you get to the point where Okay, we like this design. Okay, we like we like where it's coming in cost-wise. Let's do this. So, at that point in time, we have we have a schedule, we have the dates, we have a design, um, and then you know the next step is to get vendors. You know who's going to build the set, who's going to supply this lighting package, who's going to supply this video, and it's not just anybody can't just do anything. You know there are certain companies that. Right. Uh, specialize in, in, in certain things um, or, or, or have something that nobody else has, you know? Um, so, you, you know, and then you, you, know, you decide on your vendors, you know, and after you have your vendors together, you get it staffed. Uh, and then um, you start looking at, uh, you know, schedule and, you know, how are you going to rehearse it? And, you know, and, 
you know, how are you going to prep it? And, you know, and, and, you know, and then, you know, then the band's got to rehearse and then you've got to do pre-production and then the band's going to come in and join you in pre-production and, uh, you know, until, you know, the show is where it needs to be. Yeah. And then you, and then you start doing dates. So it's amazing. Cause I mean, I can envision that in some cases that it's almost, you spend as much time building the show as the show might be on the road. You know, oh, that, 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 you know, that, that, that you what, know, what that's is, close. You know, yeah, I know. So there's, you, but you know, in, I was going to ask you. The longest I've been in rehearsals before tour started was, and this is just production rehearsals. This is not the band, you know, but the longest mm. production rehearsals I ever was two months. It was, it was, a uh, uh, you know, two months in, in, in what well, was a month in one building. And then we loaded it out and moved to another building and spent another month in another building. Um, and then went straight into touring from there. Yeah. Hmm. But, you know, I've also, I've also spent five days <laughs> somewhere, you know, that's it. You know, right. you get in there that the band's just not interested, you know, in, uh, in spending that kind of money because, you know, rehearsals are fucking expensive, man. You know, you're renting a venue, you're putting, you know, 75, 80 people in a hotel, you know, you're, you're, you know, get salaries and, and it's, it's just millions of dollars to do rehearsals for a big show. Millions wow. of dollars. Yeah, that's you know? true. That is true. And you're using, you're using your, you know, your, your merch advance to pay for it, or you're using, you know, your deposits for the tour, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, it's not cheap, man. It's not mm. cheap. How much do you enjoy the process of uh, building a show like that from the routing to the all the way through the vendor selection? And I mean, is that an interesting aspect to you or do you dread it or I mean? No, no, no. That That's actually where, you know, and I think a lot of production managers would agree. That's that's where we do our work. Right. That, that's where we do our work, you know, because once yeah. once you 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 have this malleable thing in front of you that you, you know, in, in, in working in, in, in concert with management and the band and the, you know, the creative team, once you get that together and once you have a finished product, I mean, yeah, that's, that's just, that's wonderful stuff, man. That's, mm. that's the stuff that gets me excited because once, once that's done and you're on the road, sure. Am I advancing? Absolutely. Am I looking down the road on, you know, the next region we're going to, you know, you finished somewhere and then, you know, do you, do you put it in sea containers to go to Asia, South America, Europe, whatever, you know, uh, production managers are always looking down the road. If, if you were to, you know, come see me in a show in Boston and you come into the production office, I'm not working on Boston that day. You know, am I paying attention to the show? Yeah, that day, yeah, yeah. But I'm not working on Boston. I'm working on something three weeks a month down the road. I'm, I'm working on you know, Buenos Aires or something, you know, I'm not working on, you know, it's just, you're always got to be several steps ahead, mm. um, you know, in the process. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. You got to plan that, that out. There's a lot of complications, you know, especially like if it is border crossings and stuff like that. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. And there's just, yeah. you know, just reminds me of no, just yeah, most of my, most of my, 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 my work is done before we even do a show, you know, mm. that, that's where, that's where I'm putting together, you know, you know, I mean, you know, I, I almost said the writer, but you know, writers are not fucking worth the paper they're written on, you know, you know, cause uh, 
um, writers are, you know, agents want writers, promoters want writers, you know, well beforehand because they use, they have formulas. Like a promoter will look at a writer and go, okay, this is 15 trucks and it's 90 points. And they use rigging points and trucks as a basis on how to budget their show. Um, but, you know, mm. there's a bunch of stuff in there that's just, you know, you know is going to change. Because they want they want writers way way ahead of time, you know. They want writers months before the show, so I don't rely on writers. So I write them, I give them to agents to send out. But uh, but uh, you know during the production rehearsal process, I'm building what I call my notes, um, and it's a list of bullet points that need to be discussed during a verbal advance, and uh, I like to get those out to promoters about a month before the show. And, uh, and then do a verbal advance with them going through these notes, using these notes as a guide um, two weeks before the show. And in these notes I have, okay, here, here, here's what the show is and here's what we really need. You know, whether it would be everything from, you know, stagehands obviously to, you know, whatever kind of sundries we need to be provided locally, whether it be staging or risers or, CO2 or helium or whatever the fuck, you know, I'll, you know, get that in. But, you know, I also like to, to, to paint a picture of, hey, here's what we're trying to do. You know, here's what's coming in. Here's what, here's what you're going to be working and helping us produce that day, you know. And uh, obviously, if there's pyrotechnics or lasers or anything like that that needs, you know, the, the local uh, ordinance uh, to, to look at and, 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 uh, and approve, you know, that needs to get out well ahead of time as well. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, I spend all that time in rehearsal getting that together and knocking that out and, and uh, just making sure that whatever we need on a daily basis is completely understood by the promoter mm. well before we get there. No surprises. So obviously a touring crew is sizable you know, could be 50, 60 or whatever. Um, how many, what other personnel on a tour is involved in the pre-production, you know, brought in maybe not as early as you, but as involved well before, obviously most people are involved in uh, rehearsals, but is there anybody else part of that process? Like this will stage manager uh, get on that, get involved early? Before we get going. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we, we've talked about the rigor, how the importance of, oh, uh, right, of, a, right. of a good rigor in the past. Uh, Dash, Dave Rowe, um, he'll get involved well ahead of time, especially if it's a complicated show. If the show is complicated, he needs, you know, we need to dive in early. Mm. You know, the, the, the tour we were just prepping for Roger Waters was going to be in the round. And, uh, and it is a significant amount of weight hanging in the center of the arena. And uh, uh, most American sports venues just love a big scoreboard you know a big scoreboard mm. and uh, a lot of times you can't rig through a scoreboard uh, a newer venue that does it right they've got the big scoreboard it's understood but they you know they can suck it up into the grid and make mm. it disappear as if it's not even there and That's then awesome. you have full rigging uh, uh available underneath it bridles long bridles you know uh can happen but then there are venues where it doesn't go up all the way and it hang, kind of hangs low. And, the, and if you've got a big scoreboard and you've got a in the round show, then you've got, you know, you know, a lot of rigging to figure out whether it would be, you know, spanner truss or, 
you know, long bridles, you know, I mean, so, so rigor needs to get involved, you know, just to answer mm. your question, a rigor needs to get involved. Um, production coordinator will come in early because, you know, in a lot of the tours that I do, I do all the travel, you know, cause I like it. I just like to know what people are doing. I like to choose the hotels, but a lot of our core production coordinator will come in early and What's go through the routing. Uh, like a production assistant, you know, somebody oh. like Kim, Kim Van Loon, like who Kim, works for yeah, me yeah. as a production yeah, coordinator. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, Libby is the production coordinator and tool. She does all the hotels, but you know, they get involved really early. Um, if the production coordinator needs to advance catering, they need to get in early and get a, get a handle on not only on how to advance the catering, but on what is the catering? You know, what does the band want? Mm. You know, how do they like to eat? Do they have dietary? I mean, the, every band has got dietary needs now. I mean, it's right. just, there's no such thing as, four guys who come in and have meat and potatoes and don't give a shit, you know, you know, there's vegetarians, there's vegans, there's gluten free. It's, uh, you know, dietary needs are just like really important these days. And a good production coordinator has got a handle on that, you know, so they need to determine what that is, you know, and, and how to advance. And then there's a a thorough catering advance, Hmm. but luckily, you know, if you can tour with catering, that is the, that is the way to go. Right. Cause you get the same thing every day. And, and whatnot, but we can talk about, about that later. But uh, production coordinators get in early. <clears throat> um, obviously, lighting directors, you know, lighting designers, sure. they come in. They've got to they've got to do all their previous stuff. They can they can pretty much program a show. <clears throat> Pardon me on a, on a laptop these days. It's yeah. not as it's not like seeing it live, but you know at least you can, you know. Get, get your palette there. Yeah, yeah, yeah get your yeah. skeleton down. You know, get get all that working. So when you do get into pre-production rehearsals, you know you're not starting from scratch. You have to have a rough visual. Um, yeah. um, you know, uh, carpenters and automation guys. You know, um, you know, and maybe in a future podcast we'll 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 get a set designer on and talk about the whole process with somebody like Tate Towers. But uh, I send stage management and the head carpenters. They go to Tate. You know, they just, yeah, they, yeah, they go stuff. there and go through the process with them and get the packaging right. Um, there's nothing worse than having a great show and a great set and then it's packaged horribly, you mm. know. I mean, it needs to be packaged clean so it can go in and out of a truck and be safe and not, and not get damaged in transit. And it needs to be able to go in and out quick. You know, how, you know, you want, you want that stuff to either handball out of the cart cleanly or fly out of a cart cleanly and you want it to be fast and efficient you know that's what it's all about you know um and so, so to me yeah, that would stage be management and carpenters get involved really early and, and they will be at tate you know for sometimes a few weeks you oh, know, getting I mean, all the, yeah. you know, getting it together um, i mean some of the stuff i've seen especially like with a with a company like tate and you know I, i've always geeked out on the quality of the welds and the quality of the the structures um, yeah you know and everything is one-off i mean you'll have a whole you know structure i mean massive structure of tubular aluminum you know all welded up specifically for that one tour and then you know and that goes away but i mean just uh have a the degree and the skill set to build something like that where you can take someone's vision and actually uh you know, construct it, fabricate it. Yeah. I, they, I they, find they, the fire fabrication. Are, yeah. They are, they are, you know, head and shoulders um, at the top of, uh, for what they do. Yeah. But, where's, uh, where's Tate located? They're in, they're in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Right, <clears throat> right. 
and uh, it's 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 an incredible thing. It's 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 you walk in and the first thing you see is this you know, sea of computer terminals and people sitting at computer terminals going, what, who the fuck are all these people and what do they do? Um, but then they've got several buildings now, you know, they've got CNC machines working 24 hours a day. That's um, amazing. You know, not, not to turn this into a Tate podcast, but yeah. you know, Tate is 40% of their work is concert touring. The other 60% is other industry, whether right. it be, you know, architectural, whether it be, you know, something for a cruise ship or, you know, what have you, right. you know, they do <clears throat> very interesting, really, really good work. And, uh, and, uh, you know, rock and roll, which used to be 100% of their, of their, you know, work and revenue is it's, it's less than half now, really, you know, yeah. diversification, so they're, they're constantly going. Yeah. metal fabrication. Yeah. There's a lot you can do with that. Metal, you know, whatever technology, software, magnets, you know, they do all sorts of shit. It, you know, I, this might be out of context, but this question has been rattling around in my head since you brought something up about hanging points and just talking about steel structures and stuff like that. But some of the venues you go into, is there like a known load rating? Do you ever like, you know, have something built and realize how heavy it is and then do your research to a certain venue just to find out that it's not structurally capable of hanging something that heavy off the ground absolutely that is a huge part of it um each venue has uh, an engineer or they have an engineer on payroll or somebody in a, in a local firm and uh <clears throat> every every venue they have uh, event coordinators in every venue that's an event coordinator is somebody who looks after you know the things that come in that aren't hockey or aren't basketball or you know, they have somebody who, who handles concerts and wrestling and so you know a lot of those personally, you. right? <clears throat> I do, I do. But an event coordinator, they have they know the guidelines for everything, so they know how much their venue can hang. Mm-hmm. You know, um, whether it be in the center or an end stage or a combination of the arena floor and the end stage, and if they, you know, if they see a certain weight come in, let let's say you know, their engineer tells them that their venue maxes out at uh, 200,000 pounds or 180,000 pounds. Um, then if something comes in that's close to it, then they've got to send that rigging plot to the engineers and the engineer will get it. And, uh, you know, they'll do an evaluation, you know, even if it's just close, you know, not, not over under still, but it's close. Because they have to take in a lot of things into consideration. If it's winter time, there's snow on the roof. They have to, you know, mm. consider that. Um, but yeah, you know, to answer your question, the answer is yes. And uh, a lot of the shows that I do have to go through an engineering phase. And that can be five grand. You know, that can be a lot of money. Mm. <clears throat> so if you've got a heavy show, um, you know, you need to consider those expenses. You know, that needs to be in your budget. That needs to be something that's flagged. Um, so, you know, when you start advancing and going through things and it's, oh shit, what's this $5,000 bill? You know, you know about it. You know, you've got, you know, you've got to do that. And mm. that's, uh, those are the times we live in now because shows are getting so big and they're so heavy that, uh, you know, that's on my mind already. You know, I, I know that. Mm. And I think we mentioned in a previous podcast that, um, Shows are probably going to get scaled way down and simplified, maybe even. 
So we'll see how that yeah, the progression, see how it comes back. It's going to be really interesting, kind of launch back into it. So, yeah, well, 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 we'll see. I mean, that's the pragmatic way, but you know, there's going to be the people that want to do everything again, you know, and you know, mm. you know, uh, it's a tough one, you know, if you're if you if you were a show designer and you work for the same artist over and over again, and you know, you come up with a great product. You know, the next tour's got to be better or you've got to have a new gag or you've got to do something that you've not seen before or, you know, not every artist is happy just coming out and doing sound lights and video go, you know. A lot of people want, um, you know, they want to blow minds, you know. They want the artist to fly or, you know, they want some technology that hasn't been used, you know. It's just, it's a tough one. It's, it's, it's okay. Um, top five, uh, just doesn't have to be your favorite, but just rattle off five of the most visually stunning shows you've ever seen in your life. Seen, not worked on scene. Scene. Yeah. It doesn't matter either way. Just like some of the great, just put things into perspective, video wall and lighting and dramatics. And yeah, well, there are things that, uh, that blew me away when I was younger that are just so pedestrian now i know but you still know, I, rem- cool. I, rem- I remember uh um i was working for a local band that was opening for black sabbath and black sabbath had a very simple show you know they started the show with uh the lights went off and the downstage truss which hung over the stage a little bit was at stage level and uh it's, it's got aircraft landing lights just pointing straight down all the way across it and the show started by with the truss at stage level and this started to go up and then the lights turned on. So you see these beams coming out of the light hitting the stage and they're maybe a foot tall and then the two feet tall, then the three feet tall, then the four foot tall because the truss is going up. And I'm thinking, wow, this is fucking cool. And then, it's, then there was an articulating access, uh, uh, articulating point in the middle where the truss started to bend, you know, where, where the stage left started turning down and the stage right started turning down so the beam started to cross you know so simple but just mm. mind-blowing you know right. at the time in the, in the 80s watching this truss go up in the air you know um you know but when i think of these things it's my, my early impressions i remember the first time you know i saw you know rush when howard underlighter was their lighting director who's uh, become a friend of mine he he, he owns a, a laser company in in, uh, in toronto which is fantastic um when he used to have lights on the floor, like these Leco's, he put a Leco on the floor behind Getty and another one behind Alex and the, you know, these floor lights would come on and go through them. And I'm like, wow, so cool. With a good um, fog machine, you know. It's, it's tough, you know, yeah. but you know, I don't know, it's, 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 it's really those, those snapshots of little things that, that I've, you know, gone through in my life. But, um, but you know, I, 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 I can't, I can't, you know, have this conversation without talking about the wall, you know, Roger Not Waters, right. the that wall that we, that we that we did from 2010 through 2013. That was just the perfect combination of rock and roll, theater, um, performing arts, uh, visual arts, uh, you know, theater and drama. It was, it was all in there, man. Just all in there. And, uh, you know, I, I think a lighting designer or a video designer or show designer, the, the, the dream is to have every song different, you know? So if you were to take a photo of part of a show, 
you'd know where that was because of that look. And each song was so unique to itself. You know, A, because of the wall, and B, because of the very clever design, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, but you know, another one of my favorites is um, uh, the, the Nine Inch Nails uh, right. Fragile Fragility Tour that I did in 2000, 99 and 2000, where I, 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 I don't know that this is a fact, but I believe we were the first ones to, to move video screens. And we did that very, very, you know, simple. We were now just- They cantilevered uh, over the stage, right? <clears throat> kind of face correct. down towards the band. I remember that. I yep. saw that show. And I remember, yeah, I remember that one. Now Definitely. these are video screens that, that, that started the show above right. the band, pointing straight down. And then eventually had this big garage door closing look where they came up and then, you know, went behind the band. Uh, <clears throat> and they were on trolleys with, with just chain motors and there was no real automation system and it was real punk rock. But, uh, you know, doing that was just so fascinating and so, and so satisfying, you know, because, uh, you know, Trent and I worked very closely together on that show and we designed all the moves and we, you know, we didn't have a, you know, a team of people in there telling us what they wanted to do. We, we did it ourselves. You know, that was really one of the satisfying things about working with him was we would sit at the front of the house and just go through things, him and I, one, one step at a time, you know, and just making it just fucking great, you know. Yeah, you videotaped so, a lot of those shows, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I still have them. Yeah. I still have them on this digital videotape somewhere. I need to get that transferred over to, to uh, some sort of other format, you know, into a into a hard drive of some sort. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. I don't know, man. You know, the, I, I, there's so many shows, and you know, I think we've talked about Leroy Bennett in the past, where you know his shows have just blown me away in the in the in the in the, in the 90s. Um, God, I haven't heard that name in such a long time, actually. I don't think yeah. we did talk about him recently. So explain who, I'm not, tell people well, who well, he is. Roy Bennett, Roy Bennett, you know, yeah, I think he, oh, he, yes, may have, the, he, may have, yeah. he may have done uh, something with you in the past. Yeah, back um, in the mid-90s, yes, I was there, yes. He did a lot of stuff with yeah. The Cure. I almost brought him up earlier. Oh, uh, yeah. I just know him as Roy yeah, Bennett. Those, he said Leroy, and I was like, Leroy. Like, oh, wait, yeah, yeah Roy those, 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 uh, those uh, Cure shows he did were so good. Yeah, and you know the kind of dramatic lighting and, and what, what Duran Duran tour was it where they had the scrim up and they'd have the girls this, do this, their uh, set change clothing set change behind the lit. Yeah, I you saw just that see their silhouettes. That, that and stuff. was late eighties. Yeah, that was late eighties. I do remember that. I remember it's cool that lighting show stuff like that. Yeah, in the late eighties because I had a day off at a city the night before we played in Duran Duran. We're in that same venue. I think it was Pittsburgh somewhere, maybe somewhere. Mm. Uh, but yeah, 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 very, very cool. But you know, there are moments in shows too that doesn't have to be huge technology. Um, you know, the the Janet Jackson tour that we did, where they had that that uh, you know that that uh, traveling thrust that went out through the audience, and when mm -hmm. they came downstage, all the way downstage, and you know, and they did Rhythm Nation, and they were all doing that. Uh, that choreographed moving, you know, moving together. Oh boy, it was I pretty used powerful. To just fucking blow my mind, you know. Yeah, it was very powerful. That that was pretty cool to have the stage and go all the way out like that. Yeah, and that was yeah, that's kind of there was a lot of uh, props, a lot of moving parts with that one too. So yeah, but another great moment in rock and roll. It's like the 
greatest rock and roll moment you could ever see was on uh, on Jane's Addiction, uh, and there was the uh, um, 2001. Um, the band used to play uh, uh, Three Days from Ritual, De La Habitual. And uh, when Dave Navarro did the guitar solo, one of the dancers would just come out and dance all around him and rock out and, and you know, get on her knees in front of him and shake her head around. And then Dave would like put his guitar right in her face as he's soloing. And it was just so fucking rock and roll. Yeah. You know, it cost nothing to do, but, uh, you know, some of those moments, you know, I just, uh, you know. That those those are the exact moments that make rock and roll different from then to now. I mean, it's so much more, um, you know, the visual, the video wall, and you know, it takes a lot to have attitude and have action from the performer on the stage to draw people's eye away from all of the, you know, the technology. So that's a very very good point, you know, and it's it's one of you know various people I've liked just because of their energy on stage. I mean. <clears throat> like him or not, but I mean, Jack White brings a, a pretty serious energy to the stage, right? You know, yeah, so well, he's a performer. He's yeah. an entertainer. Yeah. He doesn't rely on 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 the fucking shtick. You know, he is the shtick. Yeah, know, he he's good point. He's just fucking cool. You know, he's just dripping with cool. I saw him at Madison Square Garden, the whole show that was just a blue hue. It was just a big screen behind a big uh, drape yeah. behind the backstage and everything was just kind of this blue and white kind of, uh, you know, thing. And that was it. it was he likes his wild. color themes. Yeah, the white yeah. stripes were red and white and his first solo thing was blue and white, you know? Yeah, something like that. So, but. but certain certain bands can just come out and don't need it. Don't need the fucking shtick. They just come out and lay it out Man, I, would, pop, I remember watching that uh that when led zeppelin did the celebration day the you know that uh, where they got together what was that 2007 when, yeah. when did was led that zeppelin the one do that show? uh it was in it was in london yeah but you know if you watch if you watch you know video of that you know it's just the band on stage and a fucking low res video screen behind it. I'm, they didn't even put Carpenter Marley down. <laughs> you can actually see the actual staging sections on stage, you know, and they're like, some of them are off color from the other. And, and it's just, you know what? Fuck you. We're Led Zeppelin. We don't need a carpet. You know? <laughs> just, you know, just, you know, put your seatbelt on, you know, we're going to play, we're going to play all the hits and just. Yeah. You bought me that yeah. on vinyl. I have that on vinyl. The box set, very very nice. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good one. That is a good. I one. got I you know I got into a Led Zeppelin phase recently. It all started with a a couple books that came out. Uh, uh, P Peter Grant, you know, someone wrote a documentary on Peter Grant, the, the famous manager for uh, you know Led Zeppelin, um, which was a great read. Uh, and then uh, Jimmy Page, someone wrote a a, a biography of Jimmy Page. Um, which was really thorough. And I had read both of those books and I was just listening to Led Zeppelin, you know, like, the, you know, if I, was, if I was, you know, reading about, you know, you know, Led Zeppelin three in the book, I, of course, I'd listen to Led Zeppelin three that night and just absorbed, you know, but yeah, what, 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 a, you know, so fucking cool that band, you know, just the way they, the way they looked and the way they sounded and the way they portrayed themselves. But yeah, you know, they, yeah, they, was, they didn't enter my psyche until like, you know, close to high school. And at that point, they were, you know, dissolved for the most part. Yeah. And you you, you kind of grew up with more of them being around and the persona and the energy. Yeah, uh, but, well, yeah, well, but living in Connecticut, they didn't come to Connecticut. No. But I do remember, uh, you know, 
you could mail in for tickets and I mailed in for tickets and to see them at Madison Square Garden once. And mom wrote me a check. I got, you know, I gave mom the money and mom wrote a check and we mailed it and you know, we didn't get tickets. We got our check back, you know, unfortunately. Uh -huh. But, uh, uh, you know, I've tried to see Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the effort was there. Tried to. The effort was there, you know, but yeah. I've seen Robert Plant and I've seen The Firm um, with Jimmy, but I've never seen them together. I would have liked to have seen them Crooked Vultures with John Paul Jones. That oh, would have yeah. been great. Yeah, that would have been very, very been cool. Great. You know, great there was rumors that that was going to happen again, and it just never never got off the ground. I'll leave it where you it know. is. Yeah, that was good, though. Boy, I mean, you're just talking about Zeppelin in Connecticut, and I just start reminiscing. You know, not to change the subject too much, but I just, I remember like, I, I don't know if it was my very first movie. It was that the kids are all right. in the mid seventies. That's the who, to go, right? yeah, yeah. the who movie. Yeah. So. We loved that movie when it came out. We went to the theater to see that several times. Yeah. Several times. Yeah. It was rock and roll on the screen. Right? So. Did you see um, Song Remains the Same in the big screen when it came out? I did. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I remember when that yeah. came out. Yeah. But wow. you know, that, uh, that movie was weird. Uh, They're all was weird. weird. Well, Led Zeppelin, you know, I mean, after reading you know, the Peter Grant book and, uh, and, you know, looking more into it, because, you know, I don't know if you remember that book from the 80s. Uh, uh, what was that book called? Uh, Hammer of the Gods. Oh, gosh, yeah. Hammer of the yeah. Gods that came out. And, uh, you know, that was, you know, everybody who's involved with Led Zeppelin now says that that's just a bunch of fabricated nonsense, you know. But uh, I'd like to think that what I'm reading now is more accurate. But again, the Peter Grant book, um, for those listeners that don't know, Peter Grant was, he was the manager of Led Zeppelin. He started with them, you know, before, you know, when Led Zeppelin used to be the new Yardbirds, he was the manager, you know, he worked for the Yardbirds and he, you know, latched on with Jimmy Page and, and became their manager all through their career. But, but, you know, what an awful ending, very sad, you know, between, you know, the, the cocaine abuse and the alcohol abuse and, you know, something that was really great when Led Zeppelin just kind of fizzled out just by mismanagement and drug abuse and just stupid shit. You know, they started the Swan Song label. You know, Led Zeppelin had their own label and totally mismanaged that. And that was just a big, you know, waste of money and nothing ever became of it. And uh, boy, it's a great read, but kind of a sad ending. You know, no, to such know a that. to such a great man, you know. There's two mm -hmm. figures back in that era. Peter Grant was one of them, and the other one was um, Bill Graham. Bill right. Graham loved Bill Graham. The idea, and he's he, there's another. You know, obviously he's got a biography. It's called uh, uh, Bill Graham Presents, which is the name of his company. You know, BGP, which is now Live Nation. But another great read. I mean, Bill Graham is the Godfather. Of, uh, of all production managers. You know, he was the first one, you know, um, before Bill Graham, everything was done locally. A band would show up, bring the shit, you know, local lights, local sound. And and I think it was an early Rolling Stones tour in the early seventies, Bill Graham said, you know, fuck it, let's bring all of our own shit. Let's bring our lights, let's bring our own sound. Let's put it in trucks and take it from city to city and not worry about crappy audio or lights that don't work you know and uh so he was the first one to do it so yeah bill graham is uh somebody who's you know who's you know i hold in the highest of regards for uh you know for what he has shown 
for our industry, you know. Sure. I mean, it changed. Great it. read. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's around anymore. If you can, you can probably find it online. It's got the Bill Graham book, Bill Graham Presents. You know, of course, like every biography, you know, they've got to start by talking about the parents and then they're born right. and then you've got to suffer Where through they from? the first 15 years of their life. Until <laughs> kind of like happens. this podcast, you have to suffer through the first two or three podcasts to kind of get off the ground, right? Yeah. Got to set the stage somewhere. <laughs> I didn't suffer, did you? No, no, no. I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm just saying from a listener perspective, I mean, we enjoy it because, it, you know, but it needed, you know, get out there, but. Well, the listener can't see us, you know. No, we're, no, no, not yet. I do have video. We're flipping them the bird right now. Yeah. Wow. All right, man. Well, I think that that uh, pretty much uh, covers the generalities of a production manager and some yeah, side I mean, stories I, and stuff. So yeah. that was the you know simple, simple version. There's so much more that goes into it. And any production manager would listen to this would go, yeah, you skipped quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure. Well, but, we'll cover uh, it. We got time. But, you know, you know, popped into my head is, um, I don't know why I thought about it, but uh, you and you were talking about like Buenos Aires or South America. And I was thinking like, you know, who we need to get on here is Todd, the security guy. You know? Oh, he's on my list. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, this, this podcast in the future is going to, you know, hopefully have themes, you know, I want to, I want to get him on here and talk about security. Yeah. I want to get, uh, I want to get a, a, a lighting designer on here and talk about, you know, the process of, of, you know, building, building, you know, a lighting rig. And, you know, I, I think that listeners should be really keen to hear what uh, perspectives are. And, and, and of course, you know, the people that we know, you know, tour stories will come out and, and it'll be really interesting. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I really, you know, that's what the future holds for this podcast, I think as well, is to touch base on different, uh, you know, areas of the industry that, that could be explained better. I, by I people that, that we respect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're bringing the respect for sure. Um, but I think that for true music lovers and people who like live music, I think that this podcast is going to be a lot of fun and interest of them to, to really kind of hear, you know, the details behind the scenes of what it takes to put on a live show. Um, so yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. You know, if, you know, uh, you know, we can talk about music too, you know, well, it's going to be all that. I'd be happy to do it, a podcast and just talk about Depeche Mode though. <laughs> you know which is another great show to watch you know the, the, isn't that a Roy Bennett show yeah songs of faith and devotion god what a great show that you can find that on the on dvd or on, online the mm. uh, songs of faith and devotion live fucking hell oh, show. well uh, no An anton anton uh, corbin designed that show okay Roy may have been involved with the lights but anton corbin that was his first time he'd ever designed a set uh, well, there you have it there you have it well man um yeah. uh, let's get a guest on you know we'll get a guest going for our next podcast and rack them uh, up and uh, we'll, yep. we'll talk and, uh, we'll talk some cool shit and turn some people onto some cool stories and and uh you know i dig it i dig it yeah, yeah. so all right man well all thanks right, for your time man. again yeah love you too yeah, brother no and, worries, uh, man. enjoy uh, and yeah cheers yeah. cheers <laughs>